0: First, a reading from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than heaven. From the mouths of nursing babies, you have laid a strong foundation because of your foes in order to stop vengeful enemies. When I look up at your skies and what your fingers have made, the moon and the stars that you set firmly in place, what are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? You've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and grandeur. You've let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet, all sheep and cattle, the wild animals too, the birds in the sky, the fish of the ocean, everything that travels the pathways of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. And now, a reading from Psalms 23. 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. The Word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection.
1: Please join me in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to come together, whether it is in person or through ones and zeros, to lean in close and hear what it is that you might have to say to us in the midst of the chaos and uh, uh, busyness of life. We ask that you would clear away those things that clutter our hearts and our minds so that we might be uh, fully present and attentive to what it is that you want to say to us today. That we might leave this space encouraged challenged and invited into your good work in whatever ways you lead we pray this in the name of your son jesus amen there is um, some major sewer work happening in our street um actually john tried to come and take a picture uh earlier this week and was like there's a lot of construction happening um and finally got that photo but um but there's, there's a lot of tearing up happening. And for my construction truck loving kid, it is an absolute dream come true. Right outside of our front window, he can see not one, not two, but three excavators at work tearing up the asphalt, digging out the sandy earth beneath and laying down sewer pipes. Each excavator is a different size and he has taken to calling the largest one, Appa excavator and the smallest one, Mica excavator. And these days he does that actually with a lot of objects. This tree is the Uppa tree and that one is the Mica tree. This is the mama fish, that is the Micah fish. It's all very sweet. It's also developmental. At two years old, Micah is right in the throes of categorizing things and an easy way to do it um, if you're starting off is to kind of think about what everything is in relation to you. This helps us to not only be oriented to the world around us, but even to ourselves. If you jump ahead from toddlerhood to middle elementary, I've learned from my daughter's second grade teacher, you shift from objects to peers. This person is cool, and that person is funny, and who am I in the mix? It gets amplified in middle school, and by high school, the circle gets wider. Maybe it's about sports teams, or SAT scores, or college admissions, or summer jobs. The circle grows ever larger in college, post-college, the job market, life stages, on and on. And on. It starts with construction trucks and ends with a midlife crisis. (laughs) We can't help comparing ourselves. Not so much because we are narcissistic and self-referential, although we are, um, but because this is how we learn the edges of who we are. If you've ever traveled from your home country to another country, there's a moment, likely, when you realize, oh, I am definitely not these people. <laughs> Sometimes it's obvious, like when I walk through a bustling Muslim neighborhood in Beirut and realize I am the only woman on the street because only men would be out on the street. Other times it catches you off guard, like when my Airbnb host in Berlin asked me how my stay was going, and I mentioned it would be nice to have a microwave, to which he responded, Americans are always asking for microwaves. (laughs) Apparently Germans don't do microwaves, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, Ronald who joins us online um, from Berlin can uh, let me know. Uh, Regardless, uh, whether it's about our culinary habits or our spiritual perspectives, our attractiveness or our abilities, The world around us and our experience of it serves to orient us. An orientation, particularly to God, is what we're talking about today as we continue to explore how the Psalms help us express our faith. The two Psalms read earlier in particular offer distinct articulations of this. In Psalm 8, we hear about how big and powerful and mighty God is and comparatively how small and insignificant we are. What are human beings that you would pay attention to them? the psalmist wonders. But then, in Psalm 23, hands down the most well-known psalm of them all, of which paintings and etchings and cross-stitches abound, God is up close. The Lord is my shepherd. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. In Psalm 23, we hear that there is a deep intimacy and attentiveness to God's presence. God is not up there and out there. God is right here, arm around my shoulder, whispering encouragement with each weary step. These two psalms might feel like they live on opposite ends of the spectrum, but it's more likely that they are two sides of the same coin. Because whether God is big and cosmic and over all the things or God is close and attentive to our every move, who God is and who we are in God remains the same. The God who gives us rest and sustains us is also the God who has crowned us with glory and entrusted us as stewards over creation. This God cares for us, watches over us, and desires to see us flourish in every way. In Psalm 8, we see that God has purposed us on purpose for a purpose, as I like to say. The same God who regards us as nursing babies also envisions us as the foundation upon which whole worlds could be built. That God guides us, encourages us, and disciplines us so that we are trained, equipped, and strengthened for this work. In other words, God has plans for us. And so, no matter our status, our ability, our identity, or any other marker of our makeup, God desires to do good things through us. And because of that, God won't let us off the hook. And this is both a blessing and a burden, right? Because if God expects something of us, well, that means that God expects something of us. There's a destination that God has in mind for each one of us, and what it takes to get from here to there is why God is not just up over there all, over all the things, but also right here amidst the peaks and the valleys with us. Because God is invested in our outcome. And God is also working to help us arrive at that due destination, whatever it is. This is the role of a shepherd. Now, in a weird twist of life, uh, a couple months ago, I met someone named Michael who worked as a shepherd for a couple of years in the Swiss Alps. And I was like, I will be coming back to you with some questions at some point. (laughs) Um, So Michael was apprenticing as a cheesemonger. Yes, that is still a thing. And as part of the apprenticeship, his work was to herd sheep. So I asked him a bit about his experience. He described to me how important it was, now he's not particularly religious, right? So he described how important it was to spend time with your sheep because this helps you become familiar with them. Uh, You get to understand the personalities and dynamics of the herd. So for example, the majority of the sheep tend to go with the flow. They're pretty happy to follow the crowd, but then there's always like a small contingent that will be kind of a bit contrarian. Um, They consciously ignore your guidance and they kind of stray out to the edges um, and kind of test the boundaries of your uh, leadership. Then there's another group, larger than the contrarians, but smaller than the majority. And they're kind of like the swing vote, right? Depending on how persuasive one group is or the other, they'll choose to join up. And so as the shepherd, part of your work is to build trust, to have a consistent communication style and manner of guidance. You develop a call that is unique to you, um, that can carry across uh, large, far distances, um, so that when they hear it, they know that it's you. You design their herding route, which actually I didn't really realize. A herding route is they start from a place and then they go back to the same place, but you want them to kind of, you know, get some exercise basically throughout the day and like eat, eat food and all of that. So you design this herding route, right, that can get them from their starting point back to their, uh, back to their stalls at the end of the day. Um, and you do that uh, in a way that um, isn't only just to get them safely here and there, but also provides rhythms, right, for nourishment and rest and exercise all throughout the day. So in designing the route, you pay attention also to where the shadows are at different um, points of the geography and daylight because it'll spook them out um, if, if you're not careful. So you try to get them to move at a certain pace because the shadows and the light can either increase or decrease their sense of safety and security. Even so the shepherd still has to work with the sheep. They might you know block off certain routes um, for safety reasons, but they still have to kind of offer a couple of different way, pathways that the sheep can choose from um, forward and there might be multiple ways to get to the same destination and some of the routes might be more or less hazardous depending on kind of you know what the terrain is like and you might prefer that they might go one way but you give them these options they're all kind of equally going to get you there um, and you sort of try to guide them to your preferred. One, But ultimately, if they choose the one that you wouldn't prefer but can still get them there, then your job changes, right? Just to to work with them um, and make sure that, you know, even as you allow the will of the sheep to move in a certain direction, you can still kind of get them to where they need to go. So, um, so, so. I didn't know any of this, actually, <laughs> about shepherds. Um, and then this, this other piece about the staff. Um, so the, the shepherd staff, uh, he described to me or explained to me, is that it's really the shepherd's most useful tool. You lean on it to test the ground to make sure that it's sturdy and safe, that you know nothing has changed from the day before. Uh, maybe there was a rain or you know something has loosened up, and so you wanna make sure that it's gonna be safe for the flock to, to um, uh, uh, walk on. Um, and also, it's, it's a little bit of like an extension of your arm. Um, you can kind of hold it out to help guide the flock as they make their way, um, or the crook on the top will help you sort of pull the sheep out of um, a ditch if they fall into it or if they need help getting up. Um, and it can also serve as a tool of self-defense for the predators. He said, you know, he described to me, he's like, you really actually wouldn't leave your staff very far from you because you rely on it so much. Um, so I thought about all of this, of course, as I reflected on Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger because you are with me, your rod and your staff. They protect me or they comfort me, says some translations. And this kind of knowing, this kind of trust... You know, if you can trust the rod and the staff and the shepherd, it then gives us each freedom to flourish with our whole being because we're not so caught up in trying to make sure that is everything safe, but we can trust that our shepherd has made it, has been thinking about those things, right, is paying attention and already knows where the dangers are and is thinking about how we're going to get through there. When we have, when we know that we don't have to fear what's around the bed because it's already been thought of on our behalf, When we know that we will be cared for and watched over, no matter how dark the shadows grow or how steep the terrain might be, we experience a sense of inner freedom and security. We can kind of unfurl a little bit, spend so much time and energy looking out for the next danger. I know that this feels like a treacherous path, but I also know that God will not only guide me, but journey with me through it gives us a sense of looseness within ourselves because the shepherd always goes with their sheep. Some of you know that in my previous ministry in Chicago, I planted a church. If you were here last week, then you would have heard um, Joshua mention that. Um, Now, I did not ever in a million years think that I would plant a church. But, well, that's what happens, right, when you decide that you're going to follow Jesus um, wherever he leads. You end up doing things and going places you never thought in a million years you'd be doing or going. When I started the work of planting, I did this with a partner. He had moved to Chicago after coming out to his large Black Baptist congregation to begin a PhD program. He had come into this planting ministry with a certain amount of openness, but unbeknownst to me, was unsure about whether or not it was for him. I, on the other hand, was all in. I had no major debt, no children, I was in good health. If there was a time to take a risk, this was it. And so together we worked to get the word out in every way that we knew how. Art-making at festivals, conversations in coffee shops, flyering and sidewalk talking. And we were three weeks out from our launch Sunday when he sat me down and shared with me that he decided that church planting was not for him. He was out. Now, I was confused. I was hurt. And I felt even a little bit betrayed, especially by God. I mean, if you make a choice by faith, right, isn't God supposed to show up for you? Had I not proven myself to be fully committed? I went home, and I prayed, and I did the ugly cry and wondered about how in the world this was going to work. I asked God to show up and tell me in no uncertain terms what I should do. And well, what happened was not that I got a visitation from an angel, as far as I could tell. Neither did I get a thunderous voice from the clouds. After I had cried all my tears and raged all my rage, I sat there in silence and waited. And there, in the silence, a very still and quiet voice and assurance rose up within me. It wasn't so much a, like, you got this, you're amazing, more just stay, stay. And so I stayed, not because I knew I would succeed and not because I had much confidence in my own ability. I had never pastored a congregation before. And I stayed because I knew enough of what my shepherd's voice sounded like that I could trust where it was calling me. In the years that followed, the terrain was steep, the shadows grew long, but always, always, my shepherd was right there with me. Now I have more stories I could share about that experience, ways in which God showed up to assure me that I had not, been foolish or betrayed, ways in which God grew me up to be a real pastor and broke my heart in the ways that only pastors who love their people can get them broken. But those are for another sermon on another Sunday. The thing that I want to share with you today is that I was only able to do this because I trusted my shepherd, because I knew my shepherd's voice, and I knew that they would never leave me nor forsake me, even if it felt uncertain as to whether or not they were really there. That the circumstances I found myself in would not dictate the destination to which I was headed. In other words, I only knew this because I had oriented myself to God. The God who sees a world emerging from the countenance of a nursing baby somehow could see a church growing from the untested leadership of a young woman. The God who sets a table for us in front of our enemies is the same God who will provide sustenance when we are exhausted. Like a good shepherd who knows his sheep, God watches over us, God cares for us, and God grants us safe passage to our destination if we would allow ourselves to be led. And so I want to invite you and maybe challenge you today to give yourself over to the shepherd, Because God wants to do something through you. And God has a pathway for you, for us, together as God's people. We listen for God's call together. And we help each other. No, that's the shepherd's voice. Follow it. We assure each other. No, that's the shepherd's voice. Follow it. We together journey through the terrain of life as agents of God's grace in a world that needs to know more of it. Assuring each other that it's there when we can't see it for ourselves. To be nourished by that grace so that we are sustained in times of trial, when we walk through valleys that feel like deathly shadows. Friends, God is big, and we are small. But God is good, especially when we are afraid. And so we need not fear. We need not be anxious. Because as the psalmist reminds us, the same God who fashioned the moon and the stars and set them firmly in their place has seen us fit to rule over that same handiwork. All the sheep and all the cattle and the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the fish in the ocean and everything that travels the pathway in the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. What are human beings that you would pay attention to us? And yet he does. This is who God is. This is who we are. And this is who we are in God. Let us pray. God, we thank you, we thank you, that you see us, you have purposed us, and you invite us into your work to be agents of grace and stewards of creation. Help us then to trust that. Help us to cultivate our sensitivity and awareness of your voice so that when you call, we hear you. And that what you invite us down terrain that feels uncertain and shadowy, that we can trust that you are right there with us, guiding us through, keeping us safe, and taking us to the place that you have set before us. Let us move forward with confidence even when we are not confident. Because we have confidence in you and meet us in those spaces when we need it the most when we are afraid when we are anxious when we are unsure surround us with good friends colleagues friends and sojourner fellow sojourners so that we can know that you are with us as we are with one another we pray this in jesus name